Good morning. We do have our handy-dandy fill-in-the-blank section to go along in your notes so that you don't get sleepy. Um, it's just, it's really so I don't get sleepy. Um, today we're going to look, we're going to start with a, a couple of verses in the book of Acts, but the rest of the time we're going to be in the book of 1 John. So if you've got your Bibles with you today, go ahead and turn to 1 John, and as you can see, Nope, I wanted to see what was up there, the picture. Give me that again. As you see today, we're going to talk about something uh, that may be a different bit of a title than you're used to. Today we're going to talk about how to destroy your witness. Let's look at, look at what Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And this is when he is leaving his disciples. It's the last words that Luke records before Jesus goes into heaven. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So Jesus goes up into heaven. He leaves after a 33-year span on this earth, after three-year ministry with these apostles, and as he does, the words he says to them are, you will be my witnesses in this world. If you're looking at your notes page on the back, here's where we're going to start. And this is the problem that is the reason for today's message. Today's church has a problem with its witness. Today's church has a problem with this witness. And we're going to look at 1 John and what John specifically has to say regarding that witness. Six or seven years ago, I was about to check out of Barnes & Noble in Lexington, and I saw a book marked, uh, marked down on clearance that kind of caught my eye and piqued my attention. I looked at it for a while. I can read. I can read somehow a lot more in a bookstore than I can at home. You ever want to, you know, when I, I, I can read the book in the store a lot more than I can later. Um, so eventually I picked up the book. I brought it home. And it has given me a lot of enjoyment over the years. I've used this book at weeks of camp. I've taken it to youth events to use for different things. A lot of times I'll just find it again on my shelf and sit and, and just read through it in the office if I've got spare time for fun. I'm pretty sure I've quite possibly even used it in a sermon at Nineveh before. Uh, it's been a long time if I have. The book is called How to Do More of Just About Everything. It is a step-by-step how-to book. It is full of instructions on, as the book says, how to do more of just about everything. Um, let me give you an example. There's three things that uh, it tells you how to do just that are mentioned on the, on the front of the book. It says how to keep a pet chicken. There's an article in here about how to keep a pet chicken, right? Look at this book if you need to know how to do this. How to get over stage fright, okay? How to 
open a Swiss bank account. There are 1,001 entries in this book on how to do all kinds of things that range in category from arts and entertainment to food and drink to legal advice. There's legal advice in here. Um, there's uh, holidays and celebrations, how to throw parties and how to... It, it, everything is in here. Uh, and as you might imagine, some of these how-to tips are quite interesting to say the least. Some of them could even prove to be pretty helpful. For example, uh, one of them is how to install tire chains. All right, that's pretty good. If you, you know, maybe forgotten, it'll give you a couple steps. If you never installed tire chains, there you go. Good deal, right? How to grow roses. Also something that we could see as being beneficial. How to hit a top spin serve in tennis. It's all in here, believe it or not. If you need some tennis tips, I'll let you borrow this after church. Here's a really great one. I didn't read the article, but just the title already got me. How to tell if a goldfish is pregnant. <laughs> because is that not what you came to church worried about today? I don't know if my goldfish is pregnant or not. <laughs> and then there are some entries that as I'm looking through this book, they really seem unnecessary at best. Perhaps, here's what I think happened. I think this guy said, you know what, I'm going to write this book. I know how to do a lot of things. I'm going to give a thousand and one how-to tips. And about halfway through, he realized, you know what, I don't know how to do a thousand and one interesting things. Because eventually, I think he just started throwing easy things in this book to tell you how to do them. For example... There's an article on how to water your lawn. Well, that seems like, I mean, most people would get that, right? Uh, how to use a litter box. Now, I don't know if this is for the person reading it or for the cat, but either way, I, I feel like using those things are pretty, pretty self-explanatory. There's an article on how to floss your teeth. There are five steps on how to floss your teeth. I don't understand what, what's difficult about that. How to use a dictionary is in there, right? Because many of us don't know how to do that. And finally, how to kiss someone under the mistletoe. There's an article on how to kiss someone under the mistletoe. Perhaps some things don't need to be in a how-to book. And by the way, if you don't know how to kiss somebody under the mistletoe, I'd suggest not trying it. There are some things that just seem like they ought to be no-brainers, right? Well, do I need to read a book on how to water the lawn? Well, probably not, because some things just aren't that difficult. Like you and I couldn't eventually open a dictionary and figure out how to use it. Let me tell you this. Today's message is a very simple message. There's no way around it. Today's message is a very simple message. In fact, it's one that everyone who's been in the church any amount of time, who's been in Christ any amount of time, should know. This is not going to be some groundbreaking truth that you've never considered or some revelation that will blow your mind. This really today is basic stuff for all Christians. 
you and I, if we, if we all sat together, we would probably agree that we ought to know this stuff by heart. And yet, if we would look around at the church today, you and I would probably also agree that a good deal of people aren't getting it. You see, whether it is in our communities, whether it's in the realm of politics, or in the realm of business, or in the realm of money, or media, or especially in social media, let me say this today and be clear. The church has a problem with its witness. Christ has called us as his church, as his followers, to be his representation of himself in this world, to bear witness to Jesus Christ, to the world who doesn't know him. And I believe the church has a real witness problem. So today, we're going to look at the book of 1 John, primarily get the, our words of advice here from John the Apostle, and we're going to start today in 1 John chapter 1. You see, the book of 1 John deals a lot with what, it, um, with what identifies a person as a follower of Christ. You'll see what I mean as we read along. So follow along with me, 1 John chapter 1 verse 5, and we'll go through chapter 2 verse 11. It'll be here on the screen for you to follow along with as well. 1 John 1 5, the word of the Lord says this, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and his truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, the love of God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message that you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness 
and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. <coughs> Excuse me. Throughout the book of 1 John, the Apostle John speaks many times about what identifies a true believer. In other words, what does a real follower of Jesus look like? And even in that passage we just read, you can see he says, this is what a Christian is, this is what a disciple is, this is what it does not mean to follow Jesus. And he also says, in what we just read, dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. In other words, this is not new stuff to you. This is stuff you ought to know. And yet, John reminds the church of what, is tr what it truly means to follow Jesus Christ and what the church's witness should really look like. This is about 60, I don't know, maybe not even that much, 50, 60, 70 years after Jesus has gone into heaven, John feels the need to tell the church what it really looks like to follow Christ. Why? Because there were some people in the church who were not getting it. This was in the first generation after Jesus. And they weren't getting what it meant to belong to Christ. And one of the reasons he spoke so much about this is because there were specific examples of people that had been in the church, people who had claimed to be members of their own body inside the church, who had been going around trying to pass themselves off as believers when in fact they didn't belong to Christ at all. Looking at an example of this in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 19. John says, Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. So think about this for a moment. What happens to the witness and the influence of the church in the world if there are false teachers and unfaithful Christians within the church pretending to follow Jesus Christ? What happens to the church's witness? If the church is made up of people who are merely pretending to belong to Christ and do not, in fact, belong to Him, then what becomes the influence of the church? It can severely damage the church's witness. And so today, we will look at the book of 1 John, and we're going to discover what the church can do, what the church in some cases is already doing, to destroy its witness with the hopes that you and I will start to see what we shouldn't be doing and start to see what it is to really have a strong and impactful witness in the world. So today in your notes there are two issues. We're boiling it down to two issues that John talks about in 1 John that will destroy if you don't get on the right side of this issue, they can destroy your witness for Christ. Number one is the issue of sin. 
Number one is the issue of sin. This is what John talks about in the very first passage that we read today. Look back at 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. Look what he has to say about the issue of sin. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. First off, John reminds the church that we are all sinners. Again, this is stuff the church knows. Right? The church knows it's sinners, otherwise it would never have had need for salvation. This is truths that the church has always known. And yet, John says, don't forget, you were a sinner. If anyone claims that they have not sinned, they're making God and his word out to be a liar. And then he goes on regarding the, the, this issue of sin, and he makes it clear from the start, from verse 5, that God is light, and in God there is no darkness at all. See, in, in God, who is light, there is absolutely no darkness. The world, on the other hand, is full of darkness and ruled by darkness. And therefore, if we desire to be a part of Christ's church, if we desire to be his witnesses in this world, we cannot look like the world. What do you think it does to the church's influence if, and the church's witness if the church mirrors the world in its words and behaviors and actions? Is it any kind of witness at all? We cannot live in darkness and continue to masquerade around as children of the light. Let's go on and see what else John says about this issue of sin in chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. John says, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. And then in 1 John 3, verses 9 and 10, he says this, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. John makes it clear here that those who are in Christ cannot keep on sinning. They cannot live 
lives of sin. And here's why John says it is unacceptable. 1 John, again, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 this time. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Why must the church not continue to live in sin? Because the whole reason Christ Jesus came to die was to be the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. And we simply cannot be effective witnesses of that truth and of Jesus Christ in this dark world if our sins have not been atoned for and our sins have not been removed by Jesus Christ. How do you want to destroy You want to know how to destroy the church's witness? Here's point number one. It's in your notes. The first way for the church to destroy his witness is for those who claim to be in Christ to continue sinning. For those who claim to be in Christ to continue sinning. Now let me clear this up for those of you who think, you know, how does, this, how does this work? This is not to say that those who are in Christ do not slip up and sin. You will not be sinless. In fact, John says, if you say you are sinless, you're a liar and you're making God out to be a liar. This is not an issue of a sin after you come to Christ. As if when you, when you mess up and, and do something you shouldn't do, you feel, you know what, I blew it, that's it. I've ruined my chance. That's where God's grace comes in. John says that's where we have an advocate who covers for us with the Father when we do sin. And we will. The issue that John is raising here of the church's witness is that the church cannot continue to live in deliberate patterns of sin in our lives. There is, in fact, a difference between a Christian who sins and a Christian who lives a life of sin. And and church, it doesn't make any sense why we would think that those who claim the name of Jesus can continue to live lives of sin and have any kind of an impact on the world in which we live. It's killing our witness. Let, Let me think about it this way. Let me make it clear one last time. Imagine for a second that you went to Lexington this week and you went out to dinner with your family. As you walk to your seats, you, you pass by the bar in this restaurant. And at the bar, you see me, Will Cooper, your associate minister. I want you to legitimately think about this scene for a moment. And I'm drunk at the bar. And I'm not only drunk, but I am making a scene using language that you would not let your children hear, and I'm flirting with the female bartender who is clearly not my wife. Let me ask you legitimately, what would this do for my witness as a follower of Jesus Christ and a child of God? Good or bad? Connie's giving me a thumbs down. All right. That one moment could possibly destroy my witness. And then what if you were to, go, to find out that this was not just a one-time slip-up, 
But this was, in fact, how I spent my every weekend. You would then have no respect any longer for me as a witness to Jesus Christ. Is that, is that right? Nod your head if that were the case. You would lose all respect for me as a witness to Jesus Christ. And if you and I have been saved by the same blood of Jesus, and you and I are held by the same standards in the Word of God, and you and I are the same body of Christ in this world, then why is it okay for people in our churches to go on living sinful lives when we'd be appalled at our minister for behaving in such a way? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. You and I have the same word of God. You and I are saved by the same atoning sacrifice that died for our sins. How then can we think that we can continue to live inherently sinful lives and yet somehow we can still have a, an, a positive influence in the world for Jesus Christ? The church is destroying its witness in the world because it can't get it, it can't understand the issue of sin. If the world is dark and sinful and the church is dark and sinful, then what in the world do we think we're showing to them that they don't already know? That's not what Jesus meant when he said, You will be my witnesses. Church, we've got to understand the issue of sin. But there's another issue at play here that John talks about. In fact, he spends the rest of the book of 1 John discussing this issue, and that is the issue of love. Talking about sin and love today. This really is not new stuff. 1 John 2, verses 5 and 6, look at what he says. But if anyone obeys his word... The love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. He gives us three warnings, John does, in the rest of the book of 1 John. He gives us three warnings con uh, containing, uh, concerning the issue of love. If the church desires to... Um, See what its witness is. If the church desires to have a witness and a positive impact in the world, there's three warnings he gives the church on the issue of love. Number one, love your brothers and sisters. That's the next line in your notes. Love your brothers and sisters. That's what John said in 1 John 2, 9 through 11. Look at it again. He says, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. He's talking about the church here. A brother and sister, he's talking about those within the body of Christ. Go on, verse 10. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there's nothing to make them stumble, nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Is this an issue in the church today? Of course it is. And, and honestly, why wouldn't it be? Why, wouldn't, why should the world believe our witness 
as we hold out the love of Jesus Christ to the world, if we cannot love one another within his own body, You want to know what the the uh, you know what the definition of hypocrisy is? People say the church is full of hypocrites. You want to know what hypocrisy is? We go out preaching Jesus loves you, and I can't love the person I go to church with. If if love is not within the body of Christ, then how can the body of Christ expect to show it to the world? It doesn't make any sense. But he not only gives us the issue about loving our brothers and sisters, he gives us another warning about love, and that is this. Do not love the world. It really goes hand in hand with the idea about sin that we talked about a moment ago. Look at 1 John 2, 15 through 17. He says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. But everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes from the Father, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Again, this is not a new command. This is not a groundbreaking information. The church cannot truly love God in whom there is no darkness, and at the same time love the world in whom is only darkness. And yet today's church is damaging its witness to the world because we can't let go of the love we have for the world. Now, I'm not saying love for the people in the world. This is, that's totally different. He's not saying love those people in the church and do not love those outside of the church. This is not an issue of people. Those people are the ones we're to go and extend the love of Jesus Christ to to bring them into the fold of the church. This is an issue of loving the things of the world. This is an issue of being driven by the desires that fuel the world. This is being motivated by, being driven by the things that drive the world. If your primary motivation at work, for example, if your primary motivation is the same as the world's, climb up the corporate ladder, make as much money as I can, beat people out for promotions, get as much power, as much influence, as much money, all the things that the world is driven by, if that is your approach to, say, the business world, how's that any different from what the world's doing? Are we not to be the light of the world in our businesses? Are we not the church? Are we not to be the light of the world at our jobs? And yet, if we're motivated by the same things as the world... Where is our witness? John says, do not love the world or the things of the world. He's mentioning the things that drive the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. These are things like greed that motivate the world. If the church is driven by greed, then how does it look different from from the world in which we live? John says, do not love the world so much that you allow your lives to be guided by the things that guide the world. Again, if the world looks at the church and sees just a mirror image of the world, what does the church have that the world would ever want? If the church and the world look the same, 
then the only difference is we, we go to church on Sunday morning. We're destroying our witness because we can't let go of loving this sinful world. And yet John says dark and light cannot have anything to do with each other. The church has got to shine out the light in the world. Or it's not having any kind of witness whatsoever. The final warning that John gives regarding love is in chapter 4. And it is this, whoever does not love does not know God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Look at 1 John 4, 7-12. through 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is what, church? God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and He sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we, cannot, but if we love one another... God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. Can the church have an impactful witness on the world and have not love? Paul says in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, you and I call it the love chapter, and, and we say love is patient, love is kind, love is this and love is that. You know how Paul starts that chapter? He says, if I have all the things that the world desires, if I have even a faith that can move mountains, if I give all I possess to the poor, if I surrender my body to the flames and have not love, I am nothing. I am nothing. You see, the issue of love is something that we all would agree in the church that the church ought to be loving. We would all agree that the church needs to have a reign on its sin. That we would all agree that the church's witness is suffering in the world. And then the majority of us would go home and say, and I hope those people really work on that this week. Because we don't see the impact that our witness is having. If we have a problem, if I have a problem with a brother or sister in Christ, if I have a problem with not having an impact on the world, it's probably as much me as it is anybody else. Church, what kind of witness must the, the church have in the world? It cannot be a witness of sin. Why should the church look just like the world? And it must, it must be a witness of love. See, some of you unfortunately we'll go out of here and think you know what that's a message i've heard a hundred times it's a simple message and yet the church is missing it you know why because all you have to do is turn on your computer look at your phone go go on to facebook go on to social media and look at the things that people are saying in the name of jesus i look at people on online sometimes and 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 i look at people who are struggling and who are suffering maybe people that have just faced death and I look at Christian people who, 
who are berating them online in front of people. I look at people who are, just because they can't stay off their phone, they are destroying their witness for Jesus Christ. Because we've forgotten how to show love. Somebody attacks us and we've got to retaliate. When Jesus said what? Turn the other cheek out of love. When Jesus said, when somebody mistreats you, let them take you another mile. Go with them some more. Why? Because Jesus was concerned with reaching the world out of love. You see, if the church, even if the church holds on to the absolute truths of God's word, even if the, truth, the church preaches and preaches and preaches out into the world the truths that are in this book, but does not possess love, You think people are listening to that? You think people listen to the, the, the person in the church who drones on and on about the truth of God but has never shown an ounce of love? We're destroying our witness. That's the second way. How to destroy your witness? It's the last note in your bulletin. You want to know how to destroy the church's witness? You lose the love of God. You lose the love of God. You take that out of the equation and the church won't have a witness in the world anymore. If the world, if all the world sees in the church is people sniping at each other and people who can't get along with each other and people who don't seem to love them and people who say awful things to them, well then, well they just might as well continue to live in the world. They're getting that in the world. The church has got to show love. This isn't a difficult subject. This isn't something you've never heard. And yet it's a way in which the, the world, the church struggles very much today. How does John know all of this? How, why is John so concerned with what it looks like to belong to Christ? Because John was an apostle. John was one of those 12 men to whom Jesus said those words before he left and went into heaven. John was there when Jesus said, you will be my witnesses into this world. John heard the words of Jesus for three years, and Jesus told them how the world would know that they belonged to him. Jesus told his disciples long before he left how the world would know you are my followers. It's not in 1 John. It's in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Church, that's it. And we know that. These are truths that you and I have most likely heard before. And yet, in many ways and in many places, within this, this very body of believers, we're damaging our witness in the world. I'm going to ask Corey and the band if they'd come out while we close, as we close today. And as we do, church... I want to impress this upon you again. 
We can't go out of a sermon where we hear what the church's witness is supposed to be, where we hear the preachers say, you know what, the church's witness is being destroyed, and go out and expect the other people in the church to fix that. I can't, I cannot change how you behave as a witness of Jesus Christ. You know what I can change? Me. You cannot control how someone else is a witness for Jesus Christ. But guess what? You can control your witness. And if the church takes an honest evaluation, do that this week. Take an honest evaluation of your life, of your witness to other people. You know what the easiest way to take an honest, you want honest evaluation? Ask your spouse, do you think I'm showing the world Jesus? Ask your kids if you're brave enough. You think, you think the world sees Jesus when it sees me? Take an honest evaluation this week of your witness because church, I don't believe we have a lot of time left. This world will soon perish because of its sin and the church is doing nothing to extend the love of Jesus if it has no witness in the world. We cannot have an effective witness for Jesus Christ if we live in sin. If we continue to live in sin, it cannot happen. We cannot have an effective witness for Jesus Christ if we do not love. I know that seems difficult to navigate sometimes. How do you love and not sin? And how do you, you stay out of sin and yet love the people in the world? But you know what? It's, it doesn't have to be difficult. It goes back to John's words in chapter 2, verse 6. Whoever claims to live in Him must live as Jesus did. And how did Jesus live? You know this. He did not sin. He never sinned. Jesus never sinned. And yet He spent His life showing love even for those who lived in sin. In fact, He laid down His life to remove those sins. For a world full of people who didn't know Him. For a world full of people that He loved maybe you don't know Jesus maybe today you're here by the grace of God and you've, you've never had the first steps of a relationship with Jesus that invitation's open to you today but you know what most of us do most of us have a relationship with Jesus today and yet how many of us are living as an example as a witness of Jesus Christ into the world. That's the invitation. The invitation's open today as we stand and as we sing.